Hello, this is David Sangster, lead pastor at New Life Church. Thank you for joining us today for our podcast. It's our goal to help you grow in your faith and discover all that God has for you. I hope you're encouraged, challenged, and inspired. Enjoy the message. Today, the message is, I'm going to give you the title of the message, and I want to show you a video, okay? Today, the title of the message is this, the anti-deepfake, anti-deepfake, okay? So I want to show you this video. Make sure the volume's nice and loud in here. We'll see what we got after this. I'm going to show you some magic. That's not Tom Cruise. It's the real thing. <laughs> That's not the Ukrainian president calling for his citizens to surrender. We're entering an era in which our enemies can make it look like anyone is saying anything at any point in time. And that's a fake Obama. Although what he's saying here is true. These are deep fakes, phony videos of real people generated by artificial intelligence software at the hands of people who want to undermine our trust. These days, deep fakes are becoming so realistic that experts worry about what they'll do to news and democracy. Now, hold on. This is not going to be one of those depressing news stories. This story is about how the good guys are fighting back. How can we solve this problem? Is there a way out? Eric Horvitz is Microsoft's chief scientific officer and the co-creator of the email spam filter. Two years ago, he began trying to solve this problem. Within five or 10 years, if we don't have this technology, most of what people will be seeing, or quite a lot of it, will be synthetic. We won't be able to tell the difference. Yeah, look at that. As it turned out, a similar effort was underway at Adobe, the company that makes Photoshop. So we wanted to think about giving everyone a tool, a way to tell whether something's true or not. Dana Rao is Adobe's chief counsel and chief trust officer. Why not just have your genius engineers develop some software program that can analyze a video and go, beep, that's a fake. Problem is the technology to detect AI is developing and the technology to edit AI is developing and there's always gonna be this horse race of which one wins. And so we know that for a long-term perspective, AI is not going to be the answer. My fellow Americans. Both companies concluded that trying to distinguish real videos from phony ones would be a never-ending arms race. And so, and we flipped the problem on its head because we said what we really need is to provide people a way to know what's true instead of trying to catch everything that's false. So you're not out to develop technology that can prove that something's a fake. This technology will prove that something's for real. That's exactly what we're trying to do. It is a lie detector for photos and videos. All right, I think you know where I'm going with this. The anti-deepfake. I love that. I came across that video the other day. I'm like, this is, that'll preach. Um, it's not our job to go out and try to find everything that's false. That is a fool's errand. It's our job to know and be very comfortable with the truth. With the truth. That is what we want to go after. We don't want to have to, you know, put our minds out there trying to analyze every little thing. We just want to know what's the truth. And the truth will illuminate what is false, okay? So that's where we're going today. Uh, Paul says the same thing that this guy said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Same thing. And we're going to be in there. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, that's our main text for today. So if you want to open your Bibles to that, either, either use your, your thumbs this way or thumbs this way. Either way, get there, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. The big idea for this message is this. Paul encourages believers to be 
to not to be misled nor afraid concerning the end times. Paul encourages believers not to be misled or afraid concerning the end times. If you've been watching any news at all, now I don't encourage you to do too much of that, but if you're watching any news now, you know that there's many controversies around um, fake videos that have come up in the news surrounding the uh, Israeli-Palestine war. Like, things that just didn't even happen, that have been just put in the news as being real. This stuff is going to happen. We have to be able to know what's true. But you know what? I'm not so much worried about that. I'm worried about knowing the truth and not being led astray in our hearts, in our, in our spiritual life. That's, that's, to me, that's, that's paramount. That's, they can deal with all that technology stuff. I want to deal with today. How do you know apostasy, heresy from truth? We're going to get into that today. <clears throat> the main object of chapter 2 is to correct an erroneous impression which had been made in the minds of the Thessalonians uh, respecting the second coming of the Savior, either by Paul's own former letter that we talked about a few weeks ago or by one forged in his name. There literally was deep fakes happening in the early church. There were letters being disseminated to churches in the spirit of, that's what they said, in the spirit of the Apostle John, in the spirit of Paul, in the spirit of, and they would just write random stuff and they'd sign somebody else's name to it. That was why, and, and people say, why, why, do we, why do we have what we have here? Why do we, why do we care what the early Catholic Church codified as the Scriptures? I'll tell you why. Because they studied all the letters that were floating around, and they came to a conclusion that these particular letters are authentic. In fact, the New Testament might have been larger. They probably discounted some authentic writings of the apostles because they couldn't be sure. What you have in your New Testament is authentic uh, uh, apostolic writings, and you can rely on them. Okay? People are like, well, why do we care? It's important. They studied this stuff. They made sure that these letters were definitely uh, authentic. Okay? They had received the impression, the Thessalonians had received an impression that the events was about to take place. The end times was going to take place like tomorrow. Okay, this belief had produced an unhappy effect on their minds. In order to free their minds from alarm, Paul states the truth on the subject. So let's look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. <clears throat> now concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to be easily upset or troubled either by a prophecy or by a message or by a letter supposedly from us, alleging that the day of the Lord has come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. So there was, a, uh, uh, there was false information Fake news going around to the church saying that, the, uh, that <clears throat> the end times, that they were actually in the end times, that something was going on right now, that they had gotten to that point where the end times were, were on them right then and there. And, that, and it, it freaked them out. It made them very concerned. It, was, it, it agitated them. 
And Paul said, no, I want to I I clean the slate here. I want to tell you the truth because the truth is the anti-worry, the anti-anxiety. Okay? So he uses this word that it won't happen, the end times won't happen until the apostasy comes. Now, what is that? That's an ancient word that we don't use very much anymore. So what is apostasy? And this is very interesting. Apostasy is the total public rejection of Christianity by a person who at one time professed the Christian faith. That's the the definition. I'll read it right out of Webster. Webster Dictionary defines it like this. An act of refusing to continue to follow, obey, or recognize a religious faith. Abandonment of a previous loyalty. See, so we're saying the apostasy has to come first, which means there's somebody or a group of people within the church that are going to turn tail and deny the person of Christ. He said that can't, the, the end times won't come until there's, this is happening en masse. Mm, scary stuff. But that hadn't happened. Remember we talked about Paul is so excited about the Thessalonian church, right? He's just thrilled about it. They're like his besties. Like, he's telling everybody about them. He's like, the church in Ephesus, man, you gotta know, you gotta hear about this Thessalonian church. They're, they're awesome. See, he, he uh, stirred up a little com- competition there too. You guys should be like them. That's what he basically said. You guys should be like the Thessalonian church. They're that good. But even they were in distress over a false teaching. Okay. One of the most commonly discussed and speculated topics when it comes to the issue related to the end times is the Antichrist. Have you ever heard that term before, Antichrist? The Antichrist, okay? Um, So it's important to look at the Bible to see what it teaches about this topic. The term is actually never used by Jesus or the Apostle Paul. Jesus never says the word Antichrist. Paul never says the word Antichrist. Uh, Jesus talks about a false Messiah. That's his term for it, or a false prophet. The Apostle Paul talks about the man of lawlessness, like we just talked about, we're going to talk about here in 2 Thessalonians. Surprisingly enough, the term also is not found in the book of Revelation. That's what you would think, right? He's actually called the beast in Revelation. The only place the word Antichrist is found in the Bible is in the letters of John, specifically 1 John 2.18 and 22, chapter 4, verse 3, and 2 John 7. That's where that word comes into play. Now, these are all referring to the same individual. In discussing the Antichrist to come, John also notes that there are many Antichrists, and they will be around in John's time. So here's the thing. There is the Antichrist, which the Bible talks about as the man of lawlessness, the beast, the false messiah, the Antichrist. And he's going to be a person in the end days. But the spirit of Antichrist has existed from the garden. The spirit of Antichrist is the spirit that takes God's words and twists them to deceive you. In the garden, the snake came to to Eve and said this, did God really say? Did God really say? Well, what he meant, 
was that when you eat that, you're going to know. You're going to be like God. Knowing good and evil. Gee, great. Thanks a lot. Did he lie? He actually didn't lie. He just twisted the truth. And that's the most deceptive of all types of false messaging. And and the spirit of Antichrist has been doing that for ages. And he's doing it now. And I'm telling you right now, um, we live in an information uh, boom. There is no greater time in history for the enemy to spread his antichrist philosophies than right now. There were multiple booms. There was the boom um, of the printing press. Now, that was a huge, I don't know if we realize how big that deal, that deal was. That was a big deal. Um, that was a place, I mean, so what God uses, what, what people do is they build technology, and then that technology is used for good and for evil. Technology is amoral. It's not immoral. It's just amoral. Technology is, but what happens is the enemy grabs that technology and Christians grab that technology and they, 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 they come into conflict with one another. So how do we know what is true? And how do we not get led astray? 1 John 2.18 says this, Children, let us, uh, it is uh, in the last hour, as you have heard the Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists, have come. Therefore, we know that it is uh, the last hour. See, when, when this stuff starts to ramp up, what Jesus said, he said, you're going to hear rumors of wars and roars, and these things are going to increase like the increase of, a, of, of birth pains, right? When these things start to ramp up, just be ready, be ready, be ready. In discussing the Antichrist to come, John also notes that there are many Antichrists. As we uh, as we read further in John, it would seem that the Antichrists have come from inside the church. People who were part of the church, but then some have fallen away. 1 John 2, 19 and 22. They went out from us, but they were not of us. If they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out. That it might become plain that they are all that they all are not of us. Verse 22, who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. Okay? 2 John 7, for many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the Antichrist. Now that is in reference to a, a heresy that was popping up in the early church called Gnosticism. Now Gnosticism was this idea that Jesus came, but he didn't come in a physical form. He just came in a spiritual form. And you can't kill a spirit. Therefore, so it was this weird, like, but what, what was so confusing about the, the heresy of Gnosticism was that it used so much of the truth that it confused people. And people are like, I don't know. So what the apostles are trying to do is say, listen to what we told you. Do not be led astray by other people's interpretations of the things that happened. We were there. We were there.
In Revelation chapter 13, written by John, the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, is referred to as the beast. The beast is the, here we go, ready? The beast in Revelation is the instrument of earthly power for the dragon, which is the, which is Satan. They call him that serpent of old, going back all the way to the garden, right? Who, uh, whose whole purpose, this serpent, this Satan, this dragon, his whole purpose is to oppose God and the work of God. And the Antichrist is his instrument, the beast. Guess what? There are many Antichrists. There will be one who will emerge, but there are many in your sphere today, in our world, ones who oppose God and the work of God. That is Antichrist. Okay. In a 2022 article by Brian Darnett titled, What Does the Bible Teach About the Antichrist? says this. I want to read it to you. From these discussions, it seems that there, are, there is an any time uh, excuse me, there is an end time figure who is preceded by various other figures who oppose the work of Jesus. There is a spirit of the Antichrist at work that will culminate in a person at the end. The warnings are less about identifying this figure and more about being on guard against the forces currently opposing God, recognizing that these could come from within the church and not just from the authorities outside. Can I just pause there for a second? We have to be on guard against antichrist influences from people who call themselves our brothers in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ. There is so much false teaching in our churches today. We've got to be careful. You're like, Pastor, isn't that kind of weird that you're telling us that? Here's my, here's my statement to that. If I ever preach something that is not backed by this, throw it out. It's not worth the air used to get it out of my face. It's worthless. It's worse than worthless. It's destructive. Be careful what you hear coming from various pulpits on the internets. Right? Be careful. Because Satan continually opposes the work of God and thus takes on different forms and manifestations throughout the age. It seems we may only recognize the man of lawlessness from 2 Thessalonians after he has come and Jesus has returned. That being said, we can recognize the workings of Satan opposing God in various realms, political, economic, and religious. I need to stay true to the one true God who we know will defeat these forces of evil. The main point of these writings is to is, is to remember that God wins in the end, allowing us to be faithful in the midst of our current sufferings. I'm going to let you in a little secret. We win. You, listen, hope exists when you know that the suffering that you're going through is not eternal. You're going to have peace. You're going to win. The struggles you're going 
through right now are a temporary struggle. Whether it's in the workplace, in school, whether it's a health thing, God wins. He defeats the destructive nature of our fallen world and the one who is plaguing it. He wins. Don't forget that. Be encouraged. All right, picking up in uh, verse 8 of chapter 2, 8b. The Lord Jesus will destroy him with the breath of his mouth and will bring him to nothing at at the appearance of his coming. Oh, can anybody say amen on that? Come on. The breath of his mouth. Know what that means? The word always has the power to destroy the enemy. The word has the power to destroy the enemy. The word of his mouth will destroy every lie. The word of his mouth will destroy everything that come against the spirit that is within us. The word. I mean, it's not like Jesus is going to, like, you know, breathe fire on him or something. It's the word. It says that uh, when he comes back in Revelations, it's depicted like this, that Jesus is going to come back on a white horse, and what's going to come out of his mouth is a sword. Now, I don't really think he's going to have a sword in his mouth. That's not what it means. It means the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, is going to come out of his mouth and destroy all the lies and all the falsehoods. That's what it means. The truth defeats the lie. Every time. I don't even know where I am now. Came out of his mouth, right? Okay, good. Okay, here we go. Verse 9. <laughs> the coming of the lawless one is based on Satan's working with every kind of miracle, both signs and wonders serving the lie. Again, I implore you, be careful about signs and wonders that are happening in churches. Test it. Make sure it lines up with the Word of God. Make sure it lines up with the truth. I get very nervous when people tell me they just want to see signs and wonders. Listen, I want to see people get healed. I want to see the Holy Spirit move. But listen, I ain't going to just take any sign and wonder. Because it's just, in 1st, 2nd Thessalonians, it says, be careful. Be careful. Don't be drawn and sucked in by something that seems mystical. A lot of the churches in our current, in the West, are looking to things like the New Age to try to manufacture these things. It's a lie. It's evil. And with every wicked deception among those who are perishing, they perish because they do not accept the love of the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a strong delusion so they will believe the lie so that all will be condemned, those who do not believe the truth but delight in unrighteousness. So what does that even mean? What would God send a delusion? I want to tell you why God, because that is, the, that is the place where you have to decide. Are you going to follow the truth, or are you going to follow this very convincing delusion? He's allowing there to be a counter-narrative that is strong enough to pull away those who might just sit on the fence. He's like, you've got to know the truth we got to know the truth. Verse 12 of the chapter talks about the spirit of lawlessness that is at work among those who hate God and delight in unrighteousness. Paul uh, describes these people more uh, descriptively in his letter to the Ephesians. Ready? 
Ephesians chapter 2, it's going to be on the wall. Verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously walked according to the ways of the world, according to the rulers and the powers of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our uh, fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature children under wrath as the others were also. So we say, this is the way we used to be. We were deceived. We were, we were walking in deception. And we walked pretty happily in that deception. We didn't know. We just kept going. That was our, that was our nature before the truth broke in. That's why I love this, this, this part, verse 4. But God. That's how we were. But God. What did Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, listen, but God, but the truth, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ even though we were dead in our trespasses. You are saved by grace. Guess what? It ain't nothing you done. We were very happy in our ignorance, but God broke through. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 5 says this, verse 6. Let me know, uh, let, uh, this is what it, it says this. Reset. Okay. Let no one deceive you with empty arguments. For God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. Therefore, do not become their partners. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Say, don't go back. That's how you used to live. That was, that was, you were walking around in ignorance. Then, but God came and opened your eyes to the truth. Why would you ever go back? You know the consequences of that behavior. Why would you walk in that again? It makes no sense. Don't do it. Don't do it. I encourage you, don't do it. For you once were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth, testing what is pleasing to the Lord. How do we do that? Test what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. So don't follow these past ways. Shine light on them. Why? Because somebody shined light on you. At one point, I guarantee there's testimony. Just about everybody in this room has a testimony of a point in time where somebody shined some light. It was either at a church service, it was in a, in a, in a coffee with somebody, it was whatever. There's somebody or a group of people that shined light into your dark place. So he's saying, don't just blend in with the darkness, shine your light. For it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. Don't participate. As children of the light, don't let, don't walk in darkness is what he's saying. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it. Right. Hey, she says, you don't light a candle and then put a bushel over it. You put it in the center of the room in a place of honor. 
so that it gives light to every corner of that space. Don't hide the light that you have been given. Also to the Ephesians, but through the, through the letter to, Second Timothy, uh, to Timothy in the second letter him, he was in Ephesus at the time he got this letter. He said, you therefore, my son, talking to Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, which you have heard from me, which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That's that shining the light. He said, what I told you, tell other people. But they should be faithful people. What does that even mean? <clears throat> Don't establish leaders of the church that are not going to hold faithfully to what we have given you. If they're going to make deviations to it, don't give it to them. Let them, just, just don't, don't entrust, don't entrust my teachings to unfaithful people. Because what they're going to do is they're going to disseminate uh, heresy. Choose faithful people. I'm going to encourage you today, be a faithful servant of the word of God. Teach the gospel and the gospel only. Don't add to, don't take away, just give them. Just, just give them. Doesn't that sound crazy? Don't dilute it. Don't sensationalize it. Just give it. It's plenty good enough the way it's written. Okay? All right. Just as Paul encourages Timothy to hold fast to the truth that he had been taught, and the end of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul encouragement to the believers was that they already knew the truth because he shared it with them. He's like, you already got, you don't need to be concerned. You don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be bothered. You already have the truth. Don't let somebody add to that. Don't let somebody detract from that. Hold fast to the truth. They didn't have to be misled or worried about being misled. If they stand firm, this is in quotes, stand firm and hold to the traditions which they were taught, whether by word of mouth or by letter. Let's, let's read it. Verse 13 in your main text, uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. But we ought to thank God always for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning, God has chosen you for salvation through the sanctification by the Spirit and through belief in the truth. In the truth, there it is, through the truth. He called you to this through the, our gospel, our gospel, so that you might obtain the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm. Hold to the traditions you were taught, whether by what we said or what we wrote. May the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us eternal encouragement and good hope by grace, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good work and word. Paul is admonishing the believers to know the Bible even before it was actually called the Bible. He's encouraged them to, to, to know the Bible, to be versed in the Bible before it was even called the New Testament. The gospel that Paul is telling them, the that's what he's talking about, the tradition, the gospel that we taught you, hold to that. And don't let anybody deceive you otherwise. Now that's why they codified these into the New Testament. Okay? In other words, the only way to discern what is true is by knowing the truth. God's word 
for ourselves. Kind of sounds like we heard in that video. The only way to, the only way to know, to discern what is true is by knowing the truth. John, uh, John 8.32 says, know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Free from what? From the Antichrist. From the spirit of Antichrist. From the falsehoods that it comes against the work and the person of God. Knowing the truth, and who is the truth? Jesus is the truth. His word is the truth. Jesus is the word made flesh. By knowing this, you'll be set free from having to worry about all the falsehoods. Just stand on the word of God. 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that need not be ashamed. How? Rightly dividing the word of truth. You don't know you're being deceived if you don't know the truth. That's the scary thing. They can deceive you all day long if you aren't versed in what is true. By whatever means necessary, get a hold of the word of God. Read it. Listen to it. Study it. Man, I had so much fun in our James our class on what a great class. We had I had two classes on the same book, the book of James this year. It was a Wednesday morning and a Wednesday evening. And we just then we had a good time. We had a great time. We just studied through the book of James. How did we do it? We had super uh, uh, modern um, presentations on the wall with, with celebrity guests. No. We didn't do that. This time around, we just took this. And we opened it up. And we read it, right? And we read it. And then we studied about it. We studied it. We looked at, like, good, good uh, commentaries about what this actually saying to the early church and to us. And we talked about it. And guess what? We even debated. There was disagreement. It's okay. It's all right. You know, no one was leaving here like, you know, get the, get the torches out or anything like that. Burn them! No. It was all respectful, all good, but we just, we just studied the Word of God together. It was awesome. I enjoyed it. I'm glad you were there. Glad you guys were there. It was great. Um, we need to do that. We could do that. I am so excited about what's happening with our uh, young adults group. You guys are getting me excited. Thank you, Kenny and Madeline, for opening your home and having those, those uh, young people in your house. It's so exciting. Studying the Word of God. Mm, good stuff. We got to get it. We got to read it. We got to listen to it. We got to study it. Um, and, I, and I love the fact that, you know, there's a lot of books we can do, read about the Word of God, and we can read about, and those are all good. I, listen, I read the books like five or six at a time. But there's just something about cracking the book open, reading it, talking about it. It's pretty awesome. What do you guys, you're in Matthew, right? Matthew, yeah. Okay, so we should read it. We should listen to it. We should study it. Talk about it with others. Like, bounce ideas off each other. Don't just let others tell you what to say. Go and experience it for yourself. So I'm, I'm, don't just let me tell you what the word is. 
I mean, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're listening. I'm glad I would be out of a job if you weren't. No, I'm glad. This is, this is my joy to unpack the word of God to you. But go and experience it for yourself too. Read it. Beware of the proliferation of online teachings and writings that is readily available in our day and age. Be careful. I'm not saying don't listen to others. Like, I'm not up here saying, just listen to me. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is use discernment in what you're absorbing on the Internet. And what does the discernment come from? It doesn't come from, like, clever ideas. It comes from knowing the truth. So I would say, unless you're super versed in this, be careful what you're watching online because you, you will get led astray. Okay? 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 through 10 says, The coming of the lawless one is based on Satan's working with every kind of miracle, both signs and wonders, serving the lie, and with every wicked deception among those who are perishing. Matthew 24, 24. For they, there shall arise false Christs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders so much that if it is possible, they should deceive the very elect. What does this mean? The deception is incredibly compelling. The deception is incredibly compelling. So how do I decipher whether it's true or false? Know the truth. Don't worry about the falsehoods. Just worry about knowing the truth. It's important that we know what Scripture says and stand firm on them so that by them we might have eternal encouragement and good hope. This is right from the text. In our hearts and be strengthened in every good work and Word. That's what Paul wants his, the Thessalonians to know. That's what he wants for them, and that's what, he, that's what the Holy Spirit wants for us. That's what he wants for us. We want to be confident in the fact that we know that there's deception out there, but we're not fooled by it because we know the truth. If you need something to, to jumpstart your enthusiasm for reading the Word of God. Now, I know, listen, and I'm, I'm probably more talking to Christians who have been Christians for a long time. Those of you who are new Christians, like, I'll read anything. I'll, I'll read the Bible, you know, give me King James, give me whatever you got, whatever you got. Get, just get, I, want, I want some more of it. But it's us who have been walking with the Lord sometimes who get lazy or who get demotivated. If you need something to motivate you, to inspire, to jumpstart your diving back into the Word, see me. i got so many things. I've been doing this for, how old am I? Right, a long time. And I've gone through those seasons. I've gone through those seasons. So I have resources. If you need something, I will get it into your hands. I want you to know the truth. I would just put out daily breads out there. Now, those are great. Daily breads are awesome. Read them. But don't forget to read the Word, too. Right? So here's the thing. Get a hold of something that is going to get you uh, jazzed about getting into the Word of God. 
But whatever it takes, get into the word of God. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for all that's happened under this roof today. Man, what a good day. And Lord, I pray right now, Jesus, that you would help us to uh, not be so anxious about the spirit of Antichrist in this world. It's been here since the deception. And Lord, we are confused and worried because we don't know the truth like we should. So God, I pray that you would light a fire in our hearts to want to absorb the word of God like we've never had before. Give us a passion to talk about it, to study it, to get in a life group, to to, uh, get into a good reading or listening pattern. Lord, I pray that you would illuminate our hearts through the truth of your word so that we can discern and rightly divide the word of truth. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. I hope you enjoyed our podcast today. To find out more about New Life Church or to plan a visit, go to our website at discovernewlife.org.